Episode 51, Michelle Schroeder-Gardner on snowballing blogging into an ultra-successful online course. The Online Course Guy podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the online course guy, Jacques Hopkins. Let's go, go, go. Hey everyone, Jacques Hopkins here and welcome to episode 51 of the Online Course Guy podcast. Today on the show, I was joined by Michelle Schroeder-Gardner of MakingSenseOfSense.com and Michelle has a very successful online course, but she doesn't just have an online course. She makes money from her blog. She does a lot of affiliate stuff that she makes a lot of money from as well. She posts income reports on her blog, so I definitely invite you to go check that out and see see just a super successful online business person and online courses is just a part of that. And of course, we talked about that in today's episode. Before I give you a little more details about it, let me tell you about today's sponsor and that is Bonjoro.com. With Bonjoro, you can quickly and easily send a short video to well, anybody you want, as long as they have an email address. The way I use it and a way a lot of people I know are using it for online courses is that when somebody buys your online course, you can send them one of these Bonjoro videos just to personally thank them. It gives such a good impression to your student who's just getting started with your course. It motivates them to get started. They know that you're a real person on the other side of that online course. And I found it produces better results. It decreases refund requests. It's really just a win-win. I highly recommend Bonjour. It's something I've used myself for over a year. I'm very thankful that they decided to sponsor this podcast because I believe in them so much. So please do yourself a favor. Sign up for their 14-day free trial using my link. And that's bonjour.com slash Jacques, B-O-N-J-O-R-O dot com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. So the interview with Michelle, my favorite thing came when we were talking a little bit about affiliates because for most of the time with Piano in 21 Days, 100% of the income, 100% of the revenue just came from course sales. Now I can tell you that I do make a little bit of money doing affiliate type stuff and that is things like recommending products and the easiest way to get started with recommending other products is using Amazon links. And so the most obvious thing for me and Piano in 21 Days was to start promoting links to the keyboards and pianos I recommend and accessories to those on Amazon. And I've got this piano buying guide page and there's a video there and I've got my affiliate links on that page. But what I found out was I was actually doing something wrong. I'm not properly calling out that those are affiliate links. So what I'm going to change is that at the top of that page, at the top of that piano buying guide page, I'm going to say that there are links below to the keyboards and accessories that I recommend and that I do get a small commission if you buy through those links. She said just putting a, the, the words affiliate link in parentheses after your link is actually not the right way to do it. You're supposed to have any information about it being an affiliate link before the link. And so I wasn't doing that correctly, but also I think if I put that toward the top of the page like she recommended, then I think it will actually cause people to use my links even more because if they can find value in that piano buying guide and end up wanting to purchase one of the keyboards I recommend, then hopefully they'd want to use my link. So that was my favorite thing from this episode, but there's plenty more nuggets to get out of this interview with Michelle. So let's jump into it right now. Hi, Michelle. So can you describe where you are? 
Uh, yeah. Um, so me and my husband actually just stopped RVing and we moved onto a sailboat and we are at a marina in St. Pete while we're outfitting it and getting it ready to start cruising. So what do you consider yourself an expert in? Um, I consider my ex, I consider myself an expert in, that's kind of a funny question to set, like a funny question to answer about yourself. Um, I guess like blogging, personal finance, um, and probably creating a, my affiliate marketing course. Yeah. The reason I wanted to ask you that, Michelle, is because I know you have a lot of things going on and not just online courses. A lot of the people that we have on this show basically have one online course, maybe two online courses, and that's the main source of their income. I was looking at your income report for June, and I know that your online course was maybe 20% of your income in June. Yeah. um, I definitely have a very diverse form of income. So what led to, what, what things led to you deciding to create your first online course? Um, so there were definitely a lot of different things. Um, a few years ago, I did a lot of coaching for bloggers. So I had a lot of bloggers reaching out to me, asking me to teach them about affiliate marketing so that they could increase their affiliate income through their blog. And, um, I mean, I was receiving tons of emails and to this day, I'm still receiving a ton of emails every single day asking for affiliate marketing coaching. Um, but the course helps me to reach a ton of people all at once. Um, there's over 5,000 people in my making sense of affiliate marketing course. Um, so it just allows me to help a lot of people all at once without having to do the same repetitive process that I'm doing. Instead, it can all just be one simple course for everyone to look at. How do you get Wi-Fi on a sailboat? <laughs> um, so right now, I am. I have this little hotspot. It's actually right here, and it looks like this. Um, just a little net gear that I connect to my AT&T account. So it's by, by looking at your site, there, there's a lot of stuff there and it's obvious that you're passionate about traveling and that's one of the big benefits that you're able to realize by having a successful online business and mm-hmm. passive income. Uh, can you talk a little about the benefits of having passive income, working for yourself, online business? Yeah, um, there's definitely a ton of benefits of everything that you just mentioned. Uh, passive income is really great for me and my husband and for the whole full-time travel life because um I mean, I just showed you my internet device. It doesn't always work. Um, Pretty much all of June, it did not work at all. So I was like struggling to stay online and do any sort of work. So passive income is great, especially that whole month of June because I was still able to earn an income, but I didn't have to actually log in and earn every single dollar that I made um, like at that time. Um, so passive income, I can earn money while I'm sleeping. Um, if I'm out sailing for that day or going on like a long hike or something like that, um, it just means that I can't do a little bit of work maybe right now, or maybe I did the little bit of work five years ago and I'm able to earn income just years down the line. What is your, what, what are some of your favorite uh, things to work on in terms of the, the different ways that you're making money online? Where, where would you rate online courses and those different things? Um, so I only have one course making sense of affiliate marketing, but I always tell myself like I want a lot more and I would definitely say creating a course is definitely high on that list. Um, so my probably my favorite would be affiliate marketing second, which would be a very close second would be course sales. Okay. And how are you making your course sales today? What do you have a funnel in place? Um, so it's pretty lax. Like right now, if you just sign up for like my email list or you start a blog through my website, then you may eventually receive an email from me about my course, but that's pretty much it. I don't really talk about it a ton on my website. I don't do any webinars, um, no guest posts or anything. It's mainly just through word of mouth. So I noticed when you land on any of your blog posts, you have a big sidebar with all kinds of calls to action. And one of those is the call to action for your course. 
Would you say that a lot of your course sales come from people that are engaging with your content and they're like, oh, let me take her course? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, a lot of it's through word of mouth, but um, if you ever come across any of my income reports, which I publish that once a month, I do talk about my course in there as well. So speaking of that sidebar, you know, you, like I said, you have a lot of calls to action there. And uh, on my website for my piano course, on, on, when you do get to a blog article, there's only one or two calls to action on the sidebar. Do you recommend having like 10 or 15 like you have? <laughs> Uh, no, I've honestly just had that sidebar for like years. So I just haven't changed it. Um, for the most part, I don't think anyone really looks at sidebars anymore, but I do get the occasional email from a reader who says like, Oh, I love your sidebar. Like I've been reading everything on there. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. So I just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I wanted to see if there was some method to the madness because I was like, wow, she has like 15 things there. Like I need to be doing what she's doing. Yeah, no, it's really just there. Yeah. (laughs) How did you determine how to price your course? Um, pricing my course, that was a little difficult. I didn't really know where to price it at. Um, I pretty much just, I surveyed my audience and just asked them and 197 seemed to be like the price point that everyone wanted. Okay. And you made $19,000 from your course last month. That's a lot of course sales from a $200 course. Yeah. That 19,000 is actually like one of my lower months for my course. Um, the month before that, I think I was at like 65,000 or something like that. So I mean, it really varies from month to month, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of people joining the course every single month. What platform do you host your course on? It's on Teachable. What do you think of Teachable? I love Teachable. I think it's really great. It's really easy to use. I actually chose Teachable uh, two or three years ago because I was a student in a few different Teachable courses and I just really liked the platform and how easy it was to use. Awesome. Okay. So I mentioned your like income report a couple of times and I was looking through June's income report and to give the listeners just some round numbers, you know, roughly $100,000 in revenue, 19000 of that from courses. But what really jumped out at me and trying to compare your business to mine was only about $9,000 of expenses. So 91K in profit. You take a look at my, my business of piano in 21 days, about 30,000 in revenue, but half of that is expenses. Mm-hmm. So far less revenue than you, but, but way more expenses. And a lot of my expenses are advertising and contractors. So I outsource a lot and I also spend a good bit on advertising. So how are you able to make so much revenue <laughs> without very many expenses? My business has always been very lean. I do outsource a few different things, but like I talked about a little bit earlier, I'm all for the passive income. So everything I do is very passive and it's just grown uh, through time just due to that, um, just through word of mouth and uh, my blog posts, my blog, Making Sense of Sense and stuff like that. So, I mean, I really don't have too many expenses. My biggest expense each month is probably... uh, the amount of income that I paid for my affiliates for the course. But other than that, I really don't do a ton of advertising or anything like that. I just have a virtu- one virtual assistant, an editor, and then I have someone who manages the tech side of my blog. So I'm glad you mentioned affiliates for your course. That's what I was going to ask you next. How many affiliates, <laughs> how many people out there are selling your course for you? Um, so a lot of people sign up to be an affiliate for the course after they take it, but really, um, I mean, I don't know how many people are actually active affiliates. I'd probably say there's probably 50 really good affiliates that promote my course month after month. That's pretty good. So for people (laughs) that have online courses, how do you recommend going out and finding affiliates for your course? Yeah. So for me, it was really easy to find affiliates because of course my course is all about affiliate marketing for bloggers. So, I mean, I kind of like it was just kind of built into the course. So it made it really easy. Um, and it's also really nice that I taught people exactly how to become affiliates. 
uh, and really learn about affiliate marketing. But for other people who, of course, don't have like the same setup as I do, um, my top way that I always recommend other people to find affiliates would be to reach out to people in your uh in your industry already. So I'm sure if you're a blogger, you have other blogging friends that are in your niche and you can reach out to them and ask them if they would like to be an affiliate for you. Um, if you're not a blogger, but you're doing something else, I'm sure you have people in your network. Maybe you've attended a networking conference in the past uh, for your industry. You can always reach out to those people as well. Um, networking is so important, especially if you want affiliates. So let's take a specific example, and I'll be selfish with my piano course. A lot of the people that are in my industry have a piano course as well, so we would be competing with each other. What kind of people would I reach out to to try to promote my piano course? So that's a little bit more difficult. Um, you might want to reach out to people who are in your audience. Maybe uh, you have a really successful student of yours who really enjoyed your course. They probably know other people who want to take it as well, so you might want to start with a successful student first. Okay. So let's continue down affiliates because mm-hmm. I know you're pretty much an expert at that. For somebody that is focused in on an online course and maybe that's where most of their income is coming from, do you recommend they maybe just stick to growing the online course or try to branch out and develop some other income streams such as affiliates? Like, um, and when I say affiliate, <laughs> I mean promoting other products like Amazon products and things like that. Um, I'm definitely all for a very uh, diversified business. So if my top tip would definitely just be to continue to to diversify. For me, I earn income in multiple different areas. Um, I earn income through my blog, through the course, but on my blog, it's... uh, it's also diverse in many areas on there too. There's affiliate marketing, sponsored posts, uh, p- partnerships with companies. Um, and then it's just not limited to financial products either. I mean, there's travel products I promote, work from home, blogging and stuff like that. So, I mean, I always recommend that someone be as diversified as they can. Okay. So I'm going to be selfish again because mm-hmm. with Piano in 21 Days for years, the only income that, that ever came in was core sales. And one day I'm like, you know, one of the biggest questions I get from people is, hey, I don't have a piano yet. Which one should I buy? And so about a year ago, I put together this detailed uh, piano buying guide, piano slash keyboard buying guide and started to include some Amazon affiliate links. So do you think that's a good idea? I'm guessing yes. And is there any, <laughs> is there any more affiliate stuff like that do you think I could be doing? Yeah, um, that's definitely a great way. Um, If you're teaching something, people definitely want to know what products you're using. Um, So by including Amazon affiliate links or affiliate links to whatever else, like to your gear that you regularly use, um, that's just a great way to earn affiliate income because people are going to buy whatever product they need in order to take your course. So you might as well make it a little bit easier on them. And what about disclosing the fact that links are affiliates? Because I know a lot of times I see people have a link and then in parentheses, they put affiliate link. Is that what mm-hmm. you're supposed to be doing? Um, so I actually have a whole lesson in my course about this because it's so important. So it'd be hard to teach it all in like this one little podcast episode. But um, there's definitely things that you need to do when it comes to disclosing your links. It all depends on what country you're in. But overall, I always recommend disclosing whether your country requires it or not because I think it's just fair to the reader. Um, for me, if I head to a blog post, um, since I am an expert in affiliate marketing and, and I can tell that it's an affiliate link, but I know that they haven't disclosed it, that I that bothers me because I wonder like what else are they trying to sell me that they aren't disclosing. So I mean I think disclosing is extremely important. So many bloggers are afraid to disclose because they feel like they're pushing their readers away. But personally I think that you're pushing them away if you if you're hiding that you're not disclosing it. So there's definitely a lot of different things you'll want to do to disclose it. The main thing is that you want to disclose it before your link. So many people disclose it after the affiliate link and that actually doesn't count 
for the law. Like legally, you have to disclose it before the link. And when you say before the link, does it mean somewhere at the top of the page or like literally right before the link? You can really interpret that different ways. For me, I just do it at the beginning of the blog post and I do it um, in a the same font or larger or a different color such as bright red and bold. Most of all, it just needs to be noticeable. You can't, like some people will put it in like a little tiny font, like eight size font, like right before their blog post. That probably won't count. It has to be noticeable. Okay. So for my piano and keyboard buying guide, I only have three affiliate links in there. There's, mm-hmm. there's a couple of different keyboards I recommend and then a MIDI controller that I recommend. And so are you saying that instead of having the words affiliate link, like right after the link, I could remove that. And then at the very top of the post mention that there are affiliate links down below. Yeah. Um, so the best way would be to include like a whole sentence, like, uh, this won't be exact for what you might want to put, but you might want to say something like, uh, just so you know, there might be affiliate links in this blog post below. If you click on a link, I may earn a commission through it. And then you also want to link to your disclosure to your disclosure page as well. Um, so your disclosure page will probably go more in depth into your advertising and affiliate marketing policies. Uh, on my page, it's a few paragraphs long, so it's on its own page separately that people can read so they can get um, all the info in one spot. How long ago did you launch your online course? Uh, July of 2016. Okay, so pretty much two years ago. And what yep. was that process like for putting the course together? Um, it was definitely really tough in the beginning. Um, I didn't know if anyone would be interested in hearing what I had to say. I didn't know if I had enough knowledge. I feel like so many course creators aren't sure if they are knowledgeable enough in what they're teaching. And um, I was actually in a mastermind with a few other course creators who were very successful in what they did. And um, through them, I basically got the motivation that I needed so that I could create the course. All right. So you got the confidence you needed to be able to move forward with everything. So once people started signing up, did you find that you had to add any content to the course? Were there any holes in it? Have you redone it at all? So I'm constantly adding new lessons to the course. Uh, Whenever a reader emails me and says like, hey, I would really like your course more if you would have talked more about so-and-so, like I will take that into account and I will most likely write a lesson about it. Um, I've probably added maybe five to 10 lessons in the past two years and I'm very active in the Facebook group that comes with it as well. And I'm constantly uh, just helping people in there and sharing whatever new things I come across as well. So knowing what you know today, now in July 2018, going back two years when you were launching, is there anything you would have done differently? I don't know if there's anything I would have done differently other than started sooner. Um, I waited so long to create my course. And I think if I would have started sooner, then I definitely would have just been a lot happier. Like right now, I have been pushing off creating my next course. and I really just need to do it. What advice do you have for somebody that has an idea for an online course and is thinking about moving forward with one? Um, well, my best tip definitely goes in line with the last thing I just said. Uh, just start one. Uh, so many people hold themselves back. So many people say like, uh, well, I don't know how to create a course. I didn't know how to create a course either. So I mean, no one really knows what they're doing in the very beginning. I feel like creating a course is just so new to everyone. that unless you just put yourself out there, then you'll just never know how it'll turn out. So what does your day to day look like? And how much work do you actually get done? Uh, my day-to-day definitely varies. Like I said, in June, I really didn't do too much. Um, the past like two and a half weeks of July, I really haven't done too much either. We've had a lot of new boat gas, lots of new boat work since we just bought this boat. 
Um, but the past few days I've been trying to work like crazy and that's pretty much what I'm doing today. <laughs> and what is, uh, what's kind of the path forward for you and, and your business? Um, the path forward, um, is pretty similar to what I'm doing right now. I would definitely like to create more courses. My goal is to start writing a new course this month and probably launch one more before the end of 2018. Um, and then pretty much just continue doing what I'm doing. I really love writing blog posts. I really love making sense of sense. I really love making sense of affiliate marketing. So um, just keep on improving is really my main goal. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on today and sharing all this information. Uh, to wrap things up, why don't you let me know if there's anything else you want to share with the audience and where people can find you online. Yeah. Um, so you can find me mainly at Making Sense of Sense, which is my personal finance website. And if you want to learn more about my affiliate marketing course, you can just go to Making Sense of Affiliate Marketing. Um, and if you want to follow my travel, definitely hit up my Instagram, which is Instagram.com slash Michelle Schro. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you again to Michelle for joining me today on episode 51. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. You can find all the detailed show notes and links from today's episode at theonlinecourseguy.com slash 51. Don't forget to check out Bonjoro. You can get started with a free 14-day trial at bonjoro.com slash Jacques. And if you're ready to jump into online courses like Michelle did, like I've done, like plenty of others have done, I've got a free online course workshop for you that's going to show you how to start a wildly profitable online course, but it's also going to show you how to grow your online course business. If you have an online course already and it just hasn't reached your goals, this online course is for you as well. So you can check that out simply by going to theonlinecourseguy.com. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode. For the first time, I am talking to a fellow piano online courser, Steve Lundgren. PianomanSteve.com coming up next in episode 52.